Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Puck Poolies podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Puck Poolies. It's Matt Larkin here, as always, with not just Stephen Ellis anymore. Never again. This is now engaged Stephen Ellis. Congratulations, buddy. How are you feeling? I assume cloud nine. It's been it's awesome. You know, it was a busy weekend. Uh, it was really, really good to do that. And, and it was a long time coming. So I'm happy I uh, finally got to do it. Um, and it just happened to be uh, a weekend of not a lot of hockey that I needed to go see. So just kind of it all worked out. All right. And did it also work out for your fantasy team the same weekend? Oh, not only did it, like I dominated both my matchups. Mm. Uh, well, okay. I dominated one. The other I was dominating and then it really fell apart near the end when my uh, opponent received Brock Besser in a trade. Um, that was not what I needed. Um, and I can't remember who was else, but basically the, the new villain in my hockey pool, Mariano, decided to screw with my week and traded his best player basically away to shore up his defense. Uh, it worked out for him. He won his his matchup against the top team, so I'm now tied for first place again. But did not enjoy playing playing Brock Besser. And then in the on my other pool, I, I won by like 200 points or something like that. So this week I'm projected to win again. I went out and picked up a uh, uh, Rob Thomas. I needed some extra depth here this week of a guy playing a bunch of games this week, and it helped that I believe St. Louis's schedule is like Monday, Wednesday, and I believe they play Sunday too. So I get that help on days when. I'm not going to have to bench him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that worked out. Well, I picked up Jonathan Quick also this weekend to try and see if I can get like that extra start on Sunday. And he almost completely blew it to the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> so uh, I, you know what? Every time I write about how much I like Jonathan Quick's play, he seems to just fall off a cliff right afterwards. So uh, I, I wrote about him recently. And yeah, it <laughs> wasn't a good result for him. But what about you? What about, uh, did you get engaged this weekend? Did you win your hockey matchups? Already engaged. So no, I did win. My team's kind of rolling now. Now that I've powered up and I'm just sort of starting to beat up on 
any of the non-contender teams. Like I have an easy patch of schedule, so I'm just kind of starting to pull away from the pack. I think I'm maybe 18 or 20 games over 500 now with my accidental in-season rebuild. Uh, of course, in my league, though, the team with Brock Besser and Frank Vetrano is in first place, so I don't know how sustainable it is for Mr. Buble, but that's the case at the moment. There was one terrible trade. I don't understand this. One guy, he was one of the super teams going into the season. He, had, he was absolutely loaded. He was struggling for some reason, and then he decided to flip the switch. He traded not just Jason Robertson for a first-round pick, not just Jason Robertson and Jack Hughes. Jason Robertson, Jack Hughes, and John Tavares for a first and third. It makes no sense. Like I got Crosby for a first. One of the worst trades I've seen in our league. I don't understand it. I'm not a fan of trade vetoing. Like This guy kind of made his own bed, but I don't understand. He just gave three and two first-round caliber players to another team just for a couple picks like i think a first and third for just one of those players might have felt more fair so i don't know what the hell he was doing but i digress uh let's get into some pickups now steven all right let's start with the shallow league pickup of the week and that is connor ingram all right connor ingram he's available in 46 percent of leagues and right now if you'll notice later in this episode we're going to talk about goalie platoons and originally i had Connor Ingram and Carol Melka as one of the tandems to discuss, but I don't know if they're a tandem anymore. The way that Ingram is pulling away, he started four straight games. He's won them all. 925 save percentage this season. It seems like this might no longer be a platoon in Arizona. And Ingram's actually younger than Vemelka. It's not like Vemelka's the young guy who's the future in net. Ingram, he was picked up sort of on a whim, yes, but he's actually younger. So it's not inconceivable that he just takes his net. We see it every single year. Look at Aiden Hill last year. Goalie is the most random position in all of pro sports. So we could be seeing an awakening of a great goaltender in Ingram. It's it's funny because like you would not think what shallow league you'd be picking up Connor Ingram, but it's just kind of just the way that the you know goalies are right now. So I, I, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I looked up, I think I picked him up on my other pool where I already have Joseph Wool, uh, Shesterkin, and Jake Ottinger. Like I'm stacked goaltending wise there. That's actually one of the reasons why I keep winning pools mm -hmm. or winning that pool is because I keep have like getting gold great goaltending performances. But I picked him up as just extra assurance because I don't need nine centermen and having like four of them sit on a given night. So I'm like, well, give me goalie options. Now. Medium league pickup of the week is Sam Bennett. Yes. Sam Bennett available in 82% of leagues. And I think the reason why that number is so low, he only owned an 80% or 18. I mean, uh, his surface stats, they're pretty met, right? They're three goals, four points, 12 games. But if you look closer, it's a buying opportunity. He's getting healthy and he plays a physical style, and it's, I'm not surprised it took him a few games to sort of feel confident, comfortable out there. All of those numbers, the surface numbers, three goals, four points, have come in the last seven games, and he had 19 shots, 15 hits during that span. So he's starting to round back into form as that banger league guy who's usually reliable in a full season for, you know, 25 goals and 150 hits and a healthy dose of shots as well. Kind of a poor man's Joel Erickson Eck. And I think that Sam Bennett should be rostered in, in pretty much any banger format. He's still going to be pretty useful now that he seems to be healthy. Let's not forget that Max Domi reminded him that he is bald. Yes. It's a very important <laughs> fact, but it did happen. Uh, deep pickup, Jake Neighbors, a guy I knew was going to like eventually show up and be this this really impactful player. I didn't think it'd be this year, but he's looking pretty good right now with the St. Louis Blues. Yes, he's available in 86% of leagues, and just his crazy hot streak alone, that's going to warrant a pickup in deep leagues, right? He has seven goals in his last eight games, so that 
alone is going to make you interested. But it's more exciting when you think about the context. So for one, he is now playing on the top line. He's playing on the top power play unit. And best of all, he has pedigree. He is a first round pick. He's not really a household name. He was a late first round pick, but he was chosen 2020 26th overall. I think it was. So it was late in the first round that year of the Blues. So it doesn't feel that fluky. Yes, he's not going to score seven goals per eight games, but they're giving him a big opportunity to stay in a big role all season long. He's also generating a nice number of hits to go with all the shots too. And if the Blues end up adopting a seller posture, as Doug Armstrong alluded to our colleague Frank Cervalli on a podcast recently, neighbor's ice, ice time could just keep going up. So to me, this might look like a flash in the pan that actually isn't, and he might have some real fantasy value in deep leagues, maybe even medium leagues all season. Okay, I like this. And it's time for the WTF pickup of the week, and it is Tavo Teravainen. Yes, he's available in 46% of leagues. This feels like a boring recommendation, but that's sort of, in some cases, that's the point of this category. It's just kind yeah. of like, why isn't this guy owned? Like, he's a good player. We all know he is. He's got 11 goals, 18 points in 23 games. Best goal scoring rate of his career. When he's healthy, he's playing on the top power play unit. He's playing in the top six on a good team. It's just kind of like, why are people overthinking this? He clearly needs to be owned. Uh, I would say his shooting percentage is north of 21. So I obviously that is not sustainable. So to me, he's someone that you add, and then hopefully he stays hot for a couple more weeks, and then you can sell him high later. That would be my recommendation. So add Teravinen and try and see if you can get something for, for him in you know, three, four weeks if he still has a pretty good overall stat line. Cool. What's our special segment for today? Okay, so I've called it Goalie Platoon Would You Rather. So the idea behind this is I think if you look, if you were to chart all the questions we receive, uh, I think the by far the vast majority of questions we get are about goalies, people struggling to decide start this goalie or this goalie, and often it involves on a single team, which is the better goalie to have from this team, who's going to be the option to the answer long term. So I want, I want you to throw some tandems at me and I'm going to give you my quick advice if you own or want to own one of these two, who you should have, who you should trade for, who's the better fantasy bet for the rest of the season. Okay, back in the day when I was when I was playing uh, ball hockey, you know, I was called the next Tim Thomas. And uh, part of it was because I, I had a knee injury where I couldn't actually get down into the butterfly easily. So I relied on a flopping style to make saves. But like, there was one time Bob McKenzie was legitimately watching a ball hockey game I was at and he watched and I put this, made this great glove save. And I remember saying like, like I'm going to be on the next draft board. So I'm going to be all here. <laughs> it didn't happen. I think, you know, teams were just a little scared about how good I was, but that's why I love goaltenders. And let's start off with two of the best uh, in the NHL this year, Lena Solmark and Jeremy Swayman out of the Boston Bruins. Yeah, it's crazy because Olmark is the reigning Vezina Trophy winner, but Swayman has actually started more games this year. He is five years younger than Olmark. He's got a 922 career save percentage, which is fourth all time among goalies that have played at least 100 games. He's right behind Dominic Hasek. So Swayman has been an absolute stud so far in his career. Olmark is great too. His save percentage career is 919, so he's right up there as well. But it just seems like the Bruins are starting to drift towards Swayman with a slightly bigger piece of the pie. And he's been as good as any goalie. So I lean Swayman. I was looking for some pictures for our thumbnails for this week's episode. And there was a lot more pictures of Jeremy Swayman. Or just all the pictures of them hugging, right? It's always the two of them hugging. That is true. Yeah. Swayman also has cooler goalie pads, to be fair. Um, So there's that. That, That's why I pick up. Not really. Uh, Let's go to Carolina with your favorite player of all time, Peter (laughs) Chekhov, Antti Ranta, and in a sense, Freddie Anderson. 
Yes. A lot of people have had trouble deciding. In my own league, you, you sort of, our system is you roster an entire team's worth of goalies. So it's a real headache if you're the Carolina uh, goalie owner. You have to be carrying three guys to try and figure this all out. Uh, we know that Anderson's health history wasn't looking so good going into the season. And now with the blood clot issue, it's very serious. Sometimes that can keep a player out for a very long time. And Antti Ranta has a pretty checkered injury history of his own. So Kachekov, yes, he's less proven, but we know the team is committed to him. He's still signed for three more years after this one, and he's the healthy guy of the group. So I think because Anderson is at least not in the way as his competition, he's going to get the most runway runway he's had probably since he was being used in the playoffs uh, the year before last. And I think he figures it out. If you look at his overall numbers, they're not great, but it's really just two really bad games out of 10. He had one game where he gave up five goals, one game six. If you remove those two, he's actually been pretty solid, never more than three goals in any other game. So I think he's going to figure it out and be the most valuable of the trio. Okay, I like that. Let's go to Detroit now. If Alex Lyon versus James Reimer versus Vili Husso, and in one of my pools, I've had all three of them at some point this year. Yeah, this is a weird one. I can't believe that I'm saying it, but I actually lean toward Alex Lyon. Uh, if you look at the breakdown of the group, James Reimer has some trade value. I don't think Detroit needs to carry three goalies all year, so I could actually see him being traded at some point this season. And with Vili Husso, it's not like he's this entrenched superstar of Vezina Trophy goaltender. Yes, they acquired him to be their starter, and he's had moments, especially with St. Louis, but it's not like he has this death grip on the job. I think Detroit is desperate enough to win right now that they're going to roll with whoever is doing the winning and Lyon is just on fire save percentage north of 950 i think he's your guy for the foreseeable future and the way i decided this one is if i had alex Lyon and you offered me billy huso in fantasy i think i'd say no i'd be like eh, billy huso what he's going to do give me a 906 save percentage for a month eh, i'll just ride the hot hand and see where this goes yeah, I, I can't disagree there. Not at all. Uh, let's go to Minnesota. Philip Gustafson versus Marc-Andre Fleury. Obviously, that was a huge reason for their early season uh, results. Uh, their best goalie is probably having corn for lunch right now in yes. Iowa in Jesper <laughs> Wallstead. But uh, your thoughts here in Minnesota? Yes, because both guys have disappointed sub-900 save percentages. And very similar to the situation in Edmonton, they are probably the reason why Dean Evison lost his job. Just bad goaltending was the number one influencer there. They're both going to be fine, I'm sure. Uh, I think that Gustafson is still the one to trust in Minnesota. And I say I emphasize Minnesota because I think Marc-Andre Fleury, as I said last week, is a candidate to end up on a different team. So Gustafson, they know he's got two. We know he has two more years on his deal after this one. They're still committed to him. And you mentioned Wallstead, of course. I think he'll be coming in there starting next year. I, I don't think it makes sense for Marc-Andre Fleury to play for the Wild next year, even if he wanted to. It'd just be bad business for the Wild, I think. Uh, and I think he's a trade candidate. So if we're trying to decide on that team, I think you got to go Gustafson. But Fleury, who knows? He could end up in a situation that really increases his fantasy value. It's just hard to, to speculate on a landing spot. So I do lean Gustafson. I get why the Iowa Wild are called the Wild, but man, I wish the Iowa Chops name would come back. Cool jerseys, great name, logo was badass. I wish that would happen. Uh, Sticking with some goaltenders that are a little hard to trust right now, Vitek Vanacek versus Akira Schmid in New Jersey. I'm, I'm going to read you my first note. It just says, straight up, they've both sucked. <laughs> and they have. I'm yeah. disappointed. I didn't expect this. Uh, they both had their moments. Last year, Vanacek was pretty consistent he was a top 10 fantasy goalie the entire year akira schmidt was god in the playoffs for half a dozen games um and now it's like 
they're almost trying to outsuck each other. And it really feels like the Devils are going to have to turn somewhere else. There's already rumors that they're searching. So I don't feel good about owning either goalie in fantasy right now. The Devils are just kind of floundering in net. If you had to lean toward one, I think I'd go Schmidt. He's five years younger. He's been a little bit better than Vancheck. And Vancheck also had the playoff implosion last year too. So I don't have a lot of confidence in him. I think he's maybe just going to settle in as more of a, I think in his next gig is going to be more of like a 1B type goalie, like a, a, an overqualified backup type of goaltender. I don't think he has the goods to be a long-term starter. And yeah, so again, I don't feel enthusiastic about owning either goalie right now. I think the Devils are going to have a different starting goaltender by the time the season is over. Okay. Sticking with uh, the... Th- you know, Seattle, I don't trust their goaltenders pretty much ever at any point. Like Martin Jones was essentially their starting goalie last year, and now he's like the fourth goalie for the Leafs. Uh, but Phil Grubauer versus Joey Decord. Yeah, another situation where neither goalie's playing well. This is really a trend all around the league this season. Um, but Grubauer, he hasn't been above an 895 since joining the Kraken. This is his third season with the team. Decord hasn't been great either, but he's a little younger. He's Or he's actually more than a little younger. He's five years younger. He has a little bit of upside that he showed with that great run, Coachella Valley, in the AHL playoffs last year. So if you have to pick one, again, I don't feel great about either, but I lean slightly toward Decord. Okay. Weird how Grubauer's career just kind of fell apart after leaving the Colorado Avalanche, but it's difficult to see. Mm -hmm. Joseph Wool versus Ilya Samsonov in Toronto. Yeah, I almost debated uh, excluding this one from the list because you can make a case that the battle's over. Sheldon Keefe said that to us after one of the games last week in not so many words he sort of implied that this is wool's net now until it isn't and he said you know samsonov's got to work on his confidence he'll get some starts again of course it's not over the battle's not over but right now wool has seized it wool's the 1a he's got a 919 career save percentage now he just looks the part all of his teammates have been talking repeatedly about how confident he is in the net he's poised he's athletic and i said it in the summer just the contract dispute going to arbitration or almost, did they go or did they almost go? I forget now. But it, the fact that it, it dragged out that long, I think they did go to arbitration, right? I, but I fact, can't remember off the Yeah, but the fact that it dragged, and he's, he's going to be a free agent after this year. So it dragged out so long. And to me, that told us all we needed to know. Like, they're not committing to him. They're, they didn't feel comfortable committing to him as their long-term starter. So I definitely lean wool in this case. I wonder if if they would go and maybe try to get Flurry as the backup for next year. Let wool run run there and then maybe a call up Dennis Hill to be for a year after I'm writing an article for the Leafs nation about it. And I don't think he'll be ready to be the backup next year, but it's kind of lining where he's playing really well. Samson off. You probably don't need him If you're not going to get him for cheap and you can't trust him, it'd be interesting to see what they choose there. Uh, mm-hmm. This one is an interesting topic heading into the season. And it still is now Aiden Hill versus Logan Thompson in Vegas. Yes. And before I jump into them, I can confirm. I just double checked uh, Samson. Yes, he did go to arbitration. Uh, Aiden Hill, Logan Thompson. So Aiden Hill, of course, goaltender of record on that Stanley Cup winning team was dominant in the playoffs last year. He's been really good again this year. There are a lot of Logan Thompson backers out there. I know you are one of them, Stephen. A lot of people really believe in him and maybe think he's the answer long term. And that's fair. He's been good. But Hill's just been better. As good as Thompson's been, Hill's been even better. And he's earning close to $5 million. He's the Stanley Cup winning goaltender. So to me, I think he's still going to maintain the slight edge over Logan Thompson if you have to pick one Golden Knights goalie to own for the entire season. 
Okay. And the last one here is we're going to Washington. Darcy Kemper versus Charlie Lindgren. And I want to point out, I, I just came across it a few days ago. The very first article I wrote as an intern uh, when I was at the Hockey News was talking about how good Charlie Lindgren was and comparing his hot start with the Montreal Canadiens as a rookie to other goalies. And literally, like Lindgren you know, doesn't get a lot of credit for what he is, but he's been one of the better backup goalies the last couple of years. He really has. And... Uh, this is a dilemma I'm sort of sorting through because uh, in our tandem goalie league, I have both. Uh, and it's weird. Like Lindgren has badly outplayed Darcy Kemper. Lindgren's at a 934 save percentage. Kemper is 894. So I can understand if people are leaning Lindgren. I just, I'm just looking at the sample size. It's still relatively small. Kemper is still playing a lot more. And Kemper's never really had a bad season in his career for the most part. So I expect him to figure it out. I, I expect. So even though there's that huge gap in save percentage, 40 points, I think in the balance of the year, I could see them being at least equal and then Kemper having more volume. So I still lean ever so slightly toward Kemper in this case. Okay, uh, that's it for our special segment. Who's our guest? Oh, it's a fun one. It's a blast from the past. If you're a fan of the Hockey News podcast back in the day when I was on it, when Steven was on it, we're bringing back our old buddy, Ken Campbell. Okay, we are very, very pleased to welcome one of the all-time greatest guests we could possibly have, our buddy, our longtime colleague, legendary hockey writer, podcaster, Diet Coke expert, <laughs> Ken Campbell. We are reunited. It feels so good, my friend. It's great to Three. see your mug. And Three how are you doing, man? It's back together. It was, it's been a while. I missed you. Yeah. Did you miss me? Of course I did, Matt. Of course I missed you. I'm, I've missed you. I've missed your eyebrows. I've missed your <laughs> terrible jokes. I've missed your. I've missed going. Hey, who won the best costume design Oscar in 1937? <laughs> and having you answer the question correctly. That's fair. I am an expert on trivial things. If only if I was an expert on important things, but it's just not the way I'm wired. What can you That's say? A, yeah, it's me too. I know I can do. I can recite entire episodes of Bugs Bunny, but I can't remember my phone number half the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good it's funny we're gonna do a surprise later on with some some okay. surprise questions but a good one is like can you remember your own partner's phone number in this day and age i feel I, like not everyone can i can I and i'm can. pretty proud of it I can. I can but i don't know my kids phone numbers i have no idea what my kids phone numbers are but i do remember my partner's phone number yeah my okay. wife's phone number that's so, so three quarters of the band back together all we would need is of course ryan kennedy to make this the uh the you know the perfect the perfect match and the newly engaged Stephen Ellis. Congratulations, Steve. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's well, been a long time, good, but I'm excited. Yeah, good, good, strong young man. We can use you on the oars. Good job. <laughs> of course. Uh, spoken in true Kenny fashion. Okay, while, <laughs> while you fire off some of your magical Diet Coke, let's get to yeah. a few questions for you, okay? All We're right. going to throw some curveballs because the reason why we wanted you on the show today, Kenny, is because... We know that you're a fantasy hockey player, but you're not like a <laughs> diehard in the sense no. that maybe we are. But yeah. that brings a unique perspective. You're a big hockey guy who happens right. to play fantasy, and that probably represents the majority of fantasy players out there. So I want to ask you first about, I guess it's the 1920s. I'm going to assume it involves New Zealand. But uh, when is the earliest season you can remember playing fantasy hockey? I think, I think it's the early 80s. I'm pretty sure it's the early 80s. I don't think I played any hockey pools in high school, but I do remember playing them in university. And in 82, 83, that was my second year at Carleton. 
I do remember I was definitely in a hockey pool on my on my floor because and the reason why I remember that is because um, we had a there was we were having our hockey pool and there was this guy a buddy of my mine on our floor his name was Andy Davies who's from Kingston Ontario and the Oilers had drafted Yaros a guy by the name of Yaroslav Pozar. It, he was 30 years old when they drafted him 30 years old when he was drafted in 82 and he was coming over. And so Andy figures he's smarter than everybody else. So he's going to draft Yaroslav Pozar because he thinks he's might be playing with Gretzky. Right. Well, he never plays with Gretzky. He gets like 35 points in his first year and every day, all I had to listen to walking around, Andy Davies walking around saying, effing Poozar, effing Poozars, losing me this effing hockey pool, effing Poozar. So Yaroslav Pozar will never be known to me or the guys on second Renfrew at Carleton University as Yaroslav Pozar. He'll always be remembered as effing Poozar. So that, I think that was, I think that was my first one. And I remember, I remember actually 87, 88, I was I was finished university. I was working in Sudbury by that time, and I remember we did a hockey pool, um, a playoff pool, and I went heavy on Detroit Red Wings. I picked Adam Oates, uh, I picked Bob Probert and Gerard Gallant, and they won me the hockey pool because they went to the they went they they got to the East uh, the Western Conference Final, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and they all put up like twenty points, and so like I won it by. Like I don't, I don't think I had anybody left in the final. Like by the time the final started, but I was like so far ahead that like nobody could catch me. So like when when Adam Oates got inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, I told him about that, and he said, <laughs> oh geez, that's like sort of like he was like, wow, that's kind of creepy that you tell me that. That's great, thanks. You know, so yeah. So I think that's that's probably like early '80s, probably around then. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, Ken, you were there for the very first hockey game ever played, right? You you, you helped invent it? Um, are there any three-year-old kids that uh, are showing any promise these days? <laughs> like, um, I think you should probably go see, uh, like, Matt's daughter's nursery school play floor hockey or something. Maybe. Now, maybe He's probably not. got scanning reports. Who knows? What do you think? And you didn't even show up at the freaking silver stick. You, I went. What, you didn't, you didn't tell go. me that. You didn't even go. You didn't, you didn't tell go. me you went. I ended up going, actually. Okay. Well. I was able to sell a story to the Toronto Star on oh. the Sudbury team, the under-16 team. They had two girl, two girl, both their goalies were girls. So I, I, oh. I did a story on that. So I ended up going. And you didn't even go, Mr. Uh, there's some kid playing minor Adam in <laughs> Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts that we should really be watching for. You and Ryan Kennedy, you're creepy. You're both creepy. There, there's this 13 year old that just is putting up some incredible numbers in any U18 or U15 U15 league out there that might get exceptional status in a couple of years. Nice. I'll leave that for okay. a different day. But so anyways, what's your question? <laughs> going back to the Gretzky Lemieux days, you know, like yeah. you, you you see what their numbers were like back in the day, and they were obviously yeah, yeah. like fantasy dominant. Yeah. Did you have to draft their goals and assists as def different players back then? I, I do recall doing that. Not with not with Mario. I don't ever recall it with Mario, but I do recall it with Gretzky because like what year was it? 85, 86. He had 135 assists and that would have tied him for first in points with his teammate, Yari Curry. Yari Curry had 135 points that year. So I do believe we did that 
yeah, we definitely did that at, at one point. And so, so Gretzky's assists would go like top five and his goals would go top 20 or top 25, right? Whatever. But, and I do remember, I think it was with these guys that at Carlton too, I think one year with the way we did it, it was like a snake draft. So if you got the first pick overall, you got Gretzky, but you picked last in the first round or something. So I was like, let's say it was 10 guys. So you'd, you'd get Gretzky at 10, but instead of it being a snake draft, you, you wouldn't get that other pick and you go back up and then back down. And I, so in effect, you missed a pick, I think it was, or something. I don't know. I think I was organizing it and I said, Hey, let's make this a lot more complicated than it really needs to be made. So I did that, but I, I think it was something like that. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because like, it was ridiculous. Like you, you'd have like, if you pick Gretzky, you'd have like an 80 point, an 80, 80 point lead before the league, you know, before the season even started. So yeah, yeah. I definitely do remember that. Like, Imagine that. <laughs> well, Today, if you ever like, need, you can't, even, you can't even conceive that now, right? Like that's right, and, and it's just one more piece of circles, circumstantial evidence as to why he's the most dominant team sport, not just hockey player, team sport athlete of all time. I try to explain it. People are like, "No, LeBron James," and I'm like, "No, if LeBron James averaged 50 points a game for eight years in a row, right. that would be the equivalent of what Gretzky did in, in the 80s." Right. Right. Uh, exactly. So I want to ask you, Kenny, just from, from a general perspective, because like I, I think you would agree with me that you are a guy who's played a lot of fantasy, but you're not a diehard. Right. Do you think as a casual fan who maybe relies more on just actually watching the games because you watch a lot of games, are there certain advantages you have from not sort of having your head down in the <laughs> spreadsheet, if you will? I, um, I thought about that question a lot, actually. That was the one I thought about the most. And... I don't, the answer is, I don't think so. <laughs> because like you watch, let's take a guy, for example, like Andre Kopitar. If you watch hockey, you watch that guy and you go, man, is he ever good? You know, but he's not a, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's not a great fantasy guy, right? Yeah, he's fine. Think, yeah, he's fine, but he's not yeah. like, and Drew Doughty, same thing. Like Drew Doughty has never like, and again, you would know better than me, but I don't think Drew Doughty's ever been like a, a fantasy stud. You know what I mean? Yes. He's a great and, example. I put him yeah. on my overrated list every single year. And he only yeah. was good in fantasy like when he was no longer good in real life. It, right. it flipped. Yeah. 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 Like he he'll he won't win you a hockey pool, but he'll win you a Stanley Cup. You know? And so I think maybe that that is a bit of a disadvantage. And and again, like being in our business sometimes, like I always tell people, I don't do like I've won some hockey pools, but sometimes I make some really stupid decisions. Like I remember one year I told my buddy Ken Whitmell, you got to draft this guy, Milos Holen. He's coming in and he's going to be playing for Philadelphia. He's going to be on their power play. He's a defenseman. And so he get, he goes and he gets this Milos Holen guy. And I've never heard the end of it, of course. <laughs> and I shouldn't. But then there was the year before Kaprizov came and played in Minnesota. And I got a buddy in who lives in um, Toronto? He's in a he's in a in a um, in a, a hockey pool with a bunch of Italian guys, and they don't know anybody beyond you know Austin Matthews and Lou Franceschetti, right? Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> who's it? Hey, Leafs, yeah, Leafs, go, Leafs, go, yeah. And like, they play <laughs> a lot of ball hockey, and they don't know Dick, right? Like, they don't know anything. So I told him, I said, he, I said, there's this guy you should pick, Kirill Kaprizov. He got him. It was a keeper league. 
he buys me beers all the time over it because he because he's so grateful that I told him to do that. And I'm sure all those guys were like, "Who's this Kirill Kaprizov guy?" Yeah, yeah. You know, like, uh, is he playing for the Leafs anytime soon? <laughs> I, I had a friend in one pool where I, I think I told the story before, but I had a friend where in 2010 for the we did a playoff pool, and I told him as a joke to pick everybody on the Montreal Canadiens, even though he had no players in the finals, he won the pool. Um, nice. And, and, yeah, Most of the, it, he he didn't follow hockey. I just said, "Hey, this would be funny." Like, I, I got easy guy to beat. No, he won the pool. So <laughs> that was the year that that was the year they they went to the conference final against Philly and lost. Right? Yep. When Halak yeah, was, yeah, yeah, was, yeah. When Halak stood on his head. And- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> so let's talk about real hockey, what's happening these days. So who is a player that has really surprised you this season that maybe you were wrong about? Well, I mean, I, I mean, beyond the obvious, you mean? Like, I mean... Brock Besser. <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't think anybody had him leading the league in goals on their bingo card. I sure as heck didn't have Frankie Vetrano at 14 goals, you know, as far as goalies, Connor Ingram. I mean, but goalies, it's almost like you can't even say that because we're all just guessing on goalies half the time anyways, right? So he'll have a good year this year and then he'll probably stink next year. I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple of guys right there, right? That that uh that that are real surprises i mean i mean we knew philip peronic was good and we knew he was a a good offensive defenseman but you know playing with quinn hughes i mean i'm sure he's getting the quinn hughes bump but hey you know quinn hughes is doing pretty well too maybe he's he's probably helping him a little bit too so yeah there's there's a couple of guys i mean those are all obvious ones right so yeah but I think Kronik's a good pick for sure. And I think you're right. Like, I don't think it's coincidence that Hughes has his most comfortable partner ever. So I think that Kronik does deserve plenty of, uh, of credit for that. Um, I'm curious, Kenny, is there, is there someone who is struggling right now? So on the flip side of the coin, if you're in a pool, 
someone that you are not ready to give up on, even though they're off to a slow start this year? Well, take your pick. Take your pick, starting with the best player in the world. Like, is Con- don't don't we all get the feeling that Connor McDavid's like a good two weeks away from being back and in in the lead in the N- in NHL yep. scoring? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's playing hurt. He's actually going to fall back more this week because they don't play. They've got their mm-hmm. I think they've got their bye week or whatever this week. They got like five days off, mm-hmm. so he'll probably fall down even more. But like, I, I mean, I think we all know he's going to be there in the end. I, I mean, a guy like Cole Caulfield, and I know you, Matt, were really high on him. To, to get 50 goals this year, but mm-hmm. you're not going to get 50 goals if your shoot if your shooting percentage is eight or seven. Like he'd have to take 625 shots to score 50 goals. Yeah. This year. <laughs> you know, so I so I'm assuming that that's that's going to come around. Um, you know, a Nick Robertson or not? Sorry, not a Nick Robert. Uh, Jason Robertson. Jason, yeah, yeah. Dallas. Sorry, sorry, Jason Robertson in Dallas. Um, and the one guy that. I'm I'm really conflicted about all of this. Is 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 Ovi? Mm-hmm. Like, when do we start, Matt? And you, you tell me this. But when do we start? Maybe thinking that he might not catch Gretzky. It's it's an awesome question because the thing about the aging is that the drop off is so steep. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're calculating his pace. Oh, he only needs 70 something more goals, but it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, you're you're pricing in that he's gonna get 40 this year and then 30 next year. But it's like, wait, wait. If the aging curve just suddenly afflicts him, it's like then suddenly 25 goals is a mountain to climb. Then that if that's a mountain to climb now, then 15 goals is a mountain next year. So it could still fall off like in a in a literal, not literal. Okay, I can't believe I said I used the wrong literal for a second. But <laughs> it could it could fall here, off. I know. not literally but it could fall off in a heartbeat it really could so i think it's a a great point yeah it's really interesting because like he's got what five this year five one on the power play none from his office and i was looking he's he took 96 shots on the power play last year he's on pace to take 113 this year it's not like he's not getting the chances he's his shots he's he's on pace for like 306 shots this year and i mean that's not in the heyday when he was taking 480 or 500, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's still right there. Last the same as last year when he scored 42 goals. And I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the reason. Like, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, he doesn't have Nick Backstrom. Well, he didn't have Nick Backstrom last year. Yeah, Nick right. Backstrom had one assist on, on, on one assist on Ovi's goals last year. And Ovi had 42 of them. So, I mean, there are guys and you're right, Matt, there are guys where, it's gradual and it's gradual, but there are other guys like I I think it was Ken Hodge way back. Like there was just a day it seemed like he woke up and he just couldn't play anymore. You know, and yeah. I, I don't know that that's the case with with Ovechkin. I mean, he's his power play shooting percentage is like three point five and his overall shooting percentage is like seven. So like that's hugely off of his career norm. Mm-hmm. But then you do factor in the age thing and it's like, well, I don't know. 67 is a lot of goals. Like he's got to get 67. That's a yeah. lot of goals in two and a half years, you know? So anyways. 
Yeah, no, that that's pretty fair. Uh, yeah. You know, we've already seen a few trades in the NHL this year. Uh, there's a chance that we could, like, obviously, we haven't got to the fun part yet when we get to the craziness of February or March. But who's ex- a player you expect to get a major value boost from being traded in real life later this year? Well, you guys have you guys have podcasted with me before, right? So you know I love my hot takes, right? I love the hot takes. <laughs> Batting down the hatches. I can really I point out though when, when Wayne can I point out though when Wayne Simmons got traded to Buffalo, you were very against that. And you I remember you we on the podcast saying that and people responded and said, like, what are you talking about? Like, this is a great pickup. And then he played like no games, like there was COVID, and then obviously Wayne Simmons was not much of a player at that point. Yeah. I, that's yeah. just one for one random take of yours, I remember. Oh well, let's let's well like if we're gonna if we're going to go through all the great takes that I've had and all the ones that I've been right, we're going to be here all day. So let's let's dispense with that. But here's one for you, okay? Take this one with a grain of salt. Steven Stamkos. Woo! Yeah, here Woo. we go. Yes. Steven I was- Stamkos. <laughs> Expiring contract. He is going, boys. <laughs> I'm saying it here. Lock it down. Monday, December 4th, 1.51 p.m. I'm locking this down. He's going to the Arizona Coyotes. The Coyotes. <laughs> okay. What do you think, guys? Like, I mean, I like the idea of a Stamkos trade. I hinted at it on Twitter just seeing where the lightning are. The fact that Stamkos was unhappy about not having a contract. It's like they're... It's all of that, right? Yeah. They've got a negative goal differential, even though they have the leading score in the league. That's yeah. not a good sign. So... Yeah, I can Vasilevsky see. Vasilevsky coming back has not really been <laughs> great. No. Um, so they are, they're on the decline. And I get the sense that, I, I get the sense that the love affair with Steven Stamkos is over in Tampa, as far as the organization is concerned. I mean, mm. it, it was very telling when he came out and said, yeah, like not only did he not get signed, but it sounded like they didn't even talk to him. Like there was no dialogue, nothing. And I get the sense that the relationship between the coach and the player is maybe not as uh, Amos and Andy, if you will, <laughs> as, yeah. as people might, might think. Yes, no, so I that's, think- a, that's a big one. Like he's, he's an expiring contract. You know, if they don't have any plans for him and if they're out of the playoffs, which could very well happen, I mean, they just got spanked badly. And uh, and so, you know, I mean, that that could be one, I think. That could be one, I think, where a guy goes and he gets rejuvenated there. And, you know, but, you know, get trading him to Toronto would be such a Toronto thing to do. Like that, wouldn't that be the, bo- the most Maple Leafs thing to do ever in history? Yeah, we need a third. We need a second pairing defenseman. We absolutely got to go out and get a really good second pairing defenseman who can shut people down and can eat up minutes and everything. Okay, let's go get Steven Stamkos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. That will be where the speculation goes for sure. And, and it's a good point because it's like, you know, for every Sidney Crosby, there's a Patrick Kane who is a franchise icon who doesn't stay the entire time with the franchise, right? So right. I yeah. think you're onto something. I think it might be actually something that heals the lightning long term if they can start like shifting gears. So I'm with you. I think it's a hot take, but I think it's it's a it's it's a heat that it's a good heat. It's a dry heat, you know? Okay. Kind of- <laughs> Speaking of Arizona, yeah. Yes, exactly. There you go. I tied it all together. <laughs> all right, Kenny. Tied it all up there. 
Exactly. Okay. okay. And so, which leads to another nice little transition to sort of tie this entire segment together. Right. We're going to give you a blast from the past, a lightning round, if you will, a little rapid fire question game. Rapid I'm going to throw these at you. Fire. You don't know. You don't know what's coming. Steven doesn't know what's coming. These are just for Kenny. And if you're ready, we'll begin. Okay. Okay. Question one. All the Diet Cokes on the planet have just been vaporized. What is your new go-to drink? Wow. Yeah, that would be, that would be, that would be really, that would be unfortunate. I've often thought of like, if I went to the doctor and he said, okay, you're going to die in six months, but you, but I can keep you from dying. If you like give up either Diet Coke or beer, that's a, that, that'd be tough. I might even give up beer. I might even give up beer. Yeah. So, oh, wow. Uh, the go-to drink. Uh, eggnog. Eggnog. Okay. Eggnog. Okay. Underrated. Okay. <laughs> and I'll get a thousand pounds. <laughs> All right. All right. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. I always try to have eggnog at the holidays, but I'm always alone. So then I just don't end up having it or making it. But what are you going to do? Okay. Uh, the hot take about eggnog, eggnog not being good is stupid. It's good. It's a cold hey, take. I agree. I agree. I've never had it. Yeah. It's tasty. It's great. Okay. Who is the funniest player you have ever interviewed? Funniest player I've enter ever interviewed. Well, one time I asked Brad Marsh, I was doing a piece on, uh, on, uh, on tobacco guys who chew tobacco and he, he chewed. And I said, uh, do you remember the first time you chewed? And he goes, not like the first time I remember I got a BJ. <laughs> <laughs> Is that going to make it? Is that going to make the cut? Or yes. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Are we okay there? Yeah. Uh, funniest <laughs> player. Dimitri Skavich was really, really, really funny. I, I have to say, no, no. I have to probably, hands down, Glenn Healy. Glenn Healy for sure. Mm -hmm. Always had, always had a quip like, I remember one year they were playing the devils and Randy McKay was going off and talking about stuff. And he had the big, he had the handlebar mustache and, and Healy was, they were doing the back, you know, how you do the back and forth. You go and ask that guy something. And then you go and say, Hey, he said this. And, and I remember Glenn Healy said something about, yeah, the guy with the porn star mustache. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. so, but heels was always, heels got it right. And yeah. he knew he was there to kind of just be Curtis's backup and play 20 or five games a year at the most. And uh, he was, he was really good that way. So I, yeah, I'd probably have to say Glenn Healy for sure. That's a good one. Low key. Funniest guy that no one knows about Nicholas Backstrom. Really funny. Secretly, really funny. I, he he really made me good. laugh a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He told me a story about a guy who got a tattoo like of something that Backstrom said in an interview, and he was like, "Yeah, good for you, buddy. You're an idiot. Good for you." Like he didn't, he didn't <laughs> care at all. That this guy got a tattoo in honor of him. That's what those are his words. Okay, Kenny, you're a big Simpsons guy. Always have been. So I'm curious. The show is now in season 35. How many of those 35 seasons do you think you have seen? Oh, geez. Probably only about, I, I, I bailed on the Simpsons fairly early. Like mm -hmm. I would say maybe 15, 15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Like, I think 10. Are you still watching it? No, I, I, still, I, gave, I still watch it. I still watch I, it. You've done 35. I've only done 10 seasons probably of Simpsons. I gave yeah, up yeah. like literally 20 three years ago or whatever. Yeah. 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 Like 15 yeah, is yeah. a little generous too. Cause it kind of jumped the shark. Uh, I don't know. Right around then. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. What, it started in what, 88? 88, yeah, that's I right. I say 88. Oh, yeah, yeah. by 2003, I, would, I don't think I was watching it that much. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Uh, okay, next one. The next Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup is? The Quebec City... Coyotes. <laughs> All right. That might that might be more topical than you think, everybody. If you keep yeah. keeping keep an eye on the board of governors in the next couple of days, seriously. Yeah. Uh, the next team to win the Stanley Cup, the next Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup will be Vancouver Canucks. Who none of them. They're not, they're never going to win again. No <laughs> Canadian team's ever going to win. They're just trolling us. It's like the Eglinton subway they're building over here. It's never getting done. They're just pretending like it's just all a big joke on everyone. They're telling us it's going to be ready next year. And then they tell you it's going to be ready the next year. And it's never going to be ready. They're just trolling us forever. <laughs> I like the Eglinton subway comparison. That's great. Great Toronto joke. Uh, okay. On a scale of 1 to 100, how confident are you that we will see NHLers in the 2026 Olympics? I, I can never count on the NHL to do the right thing, so I'm going to say 40. Okay. 40, like they're already think- talking about it. Like, like they're already talking about, oh, we got to do this. We got to talk about this. Like when they came out and said, we're going to the Olympics, I was so excited. And then it's like, yeah, we're going to the Olympics if this, this, and this happened. And, and it was just like, well, that's what it was like before. There's no difference now. Yeah. And I can never count on the league to do what's right. So I'm going to say 40. And there's a chance we'll never get to see this crop of incredible, exciting, captivating charismatic young players playing on the biggest stage in the world and it drives me nuts but you know we'll have a four-team world cup of oh god world cash grab of hockey we'll have a four-team four teams four teams what What is this the world championship what is this the perry sound division of the the perry sound peewee division four teams yeah so anyways no, no, no faith in the league. So I'm going 40. I'm going low. What about you okay. guys? What about you guys? I think I'm in the, I think I'm like 50, 50. I think. Okay. Yeah. Because I think that, I think that Marty Walsh has got a little more, uh, uh, moxie in terms of standing. It's going to cause some labor disputes down the road, but I think it's also yeah. going to be more of a battle. Like I think he'll fight for the players to get their Olympic because they want to play. Of course. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I'm going, yeah. I'm going 60 and I'm okay. If, if we get, a proper Olympic participation, uh, even if that means we get a lockout. I don't care at this point. I want, <laughs> I want more. I want more Olympic hockey. Although, yeah. you know, I, I 2018, I love that tournament. 2022 was probably the worst international hockey I've ever watched. How is uh, how is Papua New Guinea's team looking that now these days? <laughs> well, you know, they, they're, they're gonna yeah, if they just get you know that one guy, I think they'll be able to compete with Flavia. They'll be they'll be in a good spot there. I mean, the funny thing is, for anyone listening, Stephen probably actually knows the answer to that question. Uh, okay, Kenny, last one for you before okay. we let you go. The best board game of all time is. Ooh, I I gotta go. I think I gotta go. Trivial Pursuit. Yeah, mm. gotta go. Trivial Pursuit. All right, good one. Yeah, no, might, yeah, over, over Monopoly. Monopoly gets a bit boring after a while. Like somebody gets out to a lead and they get all this money and they get all the properties and the game's over and basically all you're doing is 
being more bankrupt as the game goes along. So yeah, I think I think yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go with Trivial Pursuit. So, hey, what do you guys fact. think? I, I like I like this. What do you guys think? Well, I'll, I'll add to that. Fun fact: my my grandpa was one of the guys who helped bring Trivial Pursuit to stores in Canada. Here, uh, he did. He wow. There. Yeah, back in the olden days. But he I'm a I'm a Monopoly guy, and when I play. I'm. I will give you great trade offers at the beginning that will make you think, "Oh, like I should have done this down the line," yeah, yeah. and then I will be ruthless and destroy you at the end. I I worked with a guy, <laughs> and he worked at CP in Montreal, Canadian Press in Montreal, and one day Scott Abbott and a couple other guys that worked there went around the newsroom saying, "Hey, look, we're trying to get this game off the ground." Mm -hmm. Can you give us, can you, would you invest a thousand dollars? And the guy didn't have a thousand dollars or it might've been 2000. I would just go run my head into a wall if that was <laughs> like, man, can you imagine all you would have had to do was put up two grand and you'd probably be like a multimillionaire. Oh, yeah. he, he invented that game. He used to own a team. Well, he used to own the North, uh, the North Bay battalion, but he also owned a team in, in Caledon. And he and I went up there one time and I talked to him and he told me that he was at a cottage with his buddy and they were going to have a best of seven Scrabble tournament. And they were at some guy's cottage and he goes, OK, well, let's get the Scrabble game. Well, they couldn't find it. So the guy one of the guys goes into town, picks up a Scrabble game and he comes and gets it. And he goes, I can't believe how much I paid for this game. There must be so, so much money in games. Hmm. And they were like, OK, why don't we invent one? And he said, yeah, by the end of the night, they had the whole thing's sort of mapped out and the, the whole the, the whole concept and everything the trivia and that so yeah so tr true story That's bro cool. I, like that. <laughs> I, I like the ones that are like big endurance tests like uh i used to play risk with my roommates at university and it would be like yeah, you're yeah, playing till dawn and then yeah, one yeah, guy gets right. frustrated and knocks them well i remember one of my roommates like knocked the board he, and it was like <laughs> the sun was up we're like okay <laughs> we gotta go to bed like what are we doing Did but you it was like fun. dungeons and dragons too no, no, no. <laughs> All right. I don't go that far. But okay. uh, Kenny, this has been fantastic. We really appreciate the time. And just just to have you on for old time's sake, it, it's, it, it feels like it, it's like a warm hug, a warm, familiar yeah. embrace. Yeah. And, uh, a cup of cocoa. If you that's will. right. We love yeah. you, buddy. Great stuff from Kenny. Always fun to be rocking the show with him. He's just uh, he's a treasure. That's the word I would use for, for Kenny. Uh, so, Stephen, let's talk prospects now. You have a new one in mind from the Minnesota Wild. What do you have here? So I'm going for Riley Height, a guy I was very high on, uh, maybe higher than a lot of people were uh, heading into the last year's NHL draft. He went 64th overall. I had him as a first-round prospect. Uh, and right now he's playing some incredible hockey. He had 97 points last year. He's on pace for 135 this year. He might beat his point total last year just on assists the way he's playing this year just unbelievable playmaker he leads the whl in scoring at the time of recording this with 53 points in 26 games unbelievable number uh again this is recording this before team canada is going to announce their world junior camp roster i assume he will be there the way he's playing just again such a talent not the world's greatest skater and he i think a lot of people don't like how plays would die on his stick if he wasn't going to make the pass a lot of times the shot he would not get it off, whatever. But if you can pair him with somebody in Minnesota who could rip pucks in, whether it be Kaprizov, whether it be Boldy, whatever, he's going to be such a valuable player. He's been a leader at all levels. He's worn an A um, with the Cougars the last two years. 
a huge part of this team's resurgence. I've done a lot of TV and radio stuff from Prince George. And I remember when it was like, are we ever going to make the playoffs? Are we ever going to win the first round series? Are we ever going to do anything? Now they're a team to, to watch out for. And I actually want to kind of divert this a little bit away from, from Riley Height to just give a shout out to Joshua Ravensburg and a goalie with the Cougars. He's, He's this year. He's a WHO rookie. He was undrafted guy. He's got 10 wins, two losses and five shutouts in 14 games. Woo. He's overtaken Ty Young, a Vancouver Canucks goalie prospect, which is unbelievable. Uh, so th- that's a pretty fun guy to watch. But when it comes to height, just an unbelievable playmaker. He and and uh, Brady Yeager grew up together, playing together, and just were putting up unbelievable numbers at all levels. It's good to see height really thriving here. I'm still a believer. I think that he still has to improve his straight line speed, things like that. His defensive play, again, not the greatest, but with the puck and setting guys up, there are a few players in the CHL that can do what he could do. So shout out to Riley Height. I think he's going to be very good uh, fantasy player one day. Cool. And it's interesting, too, for Minnesota, a team that's had their struggles this year. But there's potential once they get free of these cap penalties, there's going to be a fun reload coming because they have some interesting young talent. Marco Rossi and Brock Faber both looking really good this year. And Jesper Wallstedt, of course, we've already mentioned, and now Riley Height as well. So they will have their moment and a nice little, I think, resurgence in the next couple of years as a result. Uh, Steven, now it's time for our best bet of the week. And I'm going to do something I don't normally do, which is make a boring pick in a way I'm leaning toward (laughs) what I assume will be a favorite, right? The line's not out at the time of recording this podcast, but I'm going to pick the Vancouver Canucks in the Hughes Bowl. So on Tuesday night, it's Luke and Jack visiting Vancouver to take on Quinn. And I think this is a bit of a buzzsaw opponent for the New Jersey Devils. We've already discussed how their goaltending has been pretty putrid this season. They're going cross-country. This is the first game of that trip as well, so this will be the least acclimatized they're going to be on that trip. We know that the Canucks, they're very deadly at home, 8-2-1, great offense right now, awesome just individual performances from Quinn Hughes and JT Miller, Brock Besser, Elias Patterson. It goes on and on and on. So even though Jack Hughes, of course, went healthy, he's been amazing, and Luke Hughes has been one of the best rookies in the league, Quinn, is. you can make a case. You can make a case he's been the best player in the league this year, and I think this is going to be his turn to sort of flex on his brothers. So I like Vancouver to win this. And if just picking the winner is too easy, maybe pick pick the the puck line. If it's, I assume it's going to be a goal and a half, whatever it's going to be. Again, it's not out yet, but just pick whatever it is in Vancouver's favor because I think this could be kind of like a 5-2 type of game in favor of the Canucks. My, my bold prediction, all three of the brothers are going to get a point. Maybe that's not very cool. But, and then, you know, maybe well, he's probably not playing, but maybe Jack Hughes at Northeastern University is going to also get a point there. Just to, to, yeah. No, but like, honestly, that's the, the Canucks are a team that when you think they're down, they then fight back. And with the way Quinn Hughes is playing, if I had to pick my MVP, he's my MVP this year. Just yeah. the way he's found a way to, to really make that Canucks team just per the way that they're playing. Quinn Hughes is an absolute blast to watch. You know, I should have, in hindsight, you know what I should have done? I should have done like a huge brothers parlay, like make a prop bet on, on all three of them, but what are you going to do? That was my, there you go. That was my suggestion. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Steven, let's uh, move on to some questions or maybe it's just question. I think we only have one this week. Yeah, we wanted to, you know, it's a long episode. Ken was awesome. So we wanted to cut it down a little bit here, but this one comes from Jeremy Johnson who asks Elias Pettersson or Connor Bedard. Who do you like more over the next five years? That is a very interesting. Yeah, it really is. It's a very tough question. Uh, If it was 
the next two or three years, I think it's easier. And you might go Elias Pettersson. He's right in the middle of his prime. But it's tough. Like, okay, so five years. You're projecting five years. Elias Pettersson's 102-point explosion, that was last season. That was his fifth season. Austin Matthews got his Rocket Richard trophies in season five and six. Connor McDavid had his crazy 105 points in 56 games, season six. So five years from now, that's Connor Bedard rolling into season six, right? If it's five years from today. So, and I know it's it's the next five years, not five years from now. But point just being within maybe three or four years, we should see Connor Bedard blowing up into his prime. And we should see Elias Pettersson nearing the end of his prime. So it's close. It's very close. But if it's five years, I lean ever so slightly toward Connor Bedard. Yeah, I'm, I'm me too. Like the thing about with Chicago is by the five years, I fully expect the Blackhawks to have maybe even have played in a Stanley Cup final by then. Just the way that their prospect pool is looking, it's a really good group, and they are going to add another elite talent this year. I'm kind of hoping it is Cole Iserman that they get, not Celebrini, just because Bedard feeding Iserman would be stupid, like unbelievable, like one two duo. Iserman is not a great all around player, and a big reason why a lot of people are kind of backing off on him being the number two, but. If you throw Connor Bedard setting him up goals, like that's going to be a gold mine. And then if you don't get Eiserman, you get a guy like Demidov who should be in the NHL around that point. Uh, and then you, like he's kind of like a hero player that could just take over. And if mm. you don't want that, it, let's say they get Celebrini, then you've got Celebrini probably playing the power play of Bedard. Like it's the it blows my mind where the Blackhawks are going to be in a couple of years. We just don't yeah. know. But it's going to be really good. I'm excited for that. So, uh, yeah. Are you ready to do a, a starting lineup? I'm ready. All right. Uh, so I I got to be on a couple Christmas parades this week. And part of it was I helped work on uh, picking some of the music selection for the, the float that I was on. And I heard maybe, I don't know, five or six songs covered about 140 different ways. So there's not a lot of Christmas music going on. But I want you to tell me your top Christmas songs. Okay, and this is a question I've thought about a lot because I this time of year I always sing like Christmas songs because I do songs before bed for my little ones and I sort of switch to Christmas songs just for the month of December, more for my own amusement. And I've been to some like weird caroling parties where it's like this tradition, people do it every year, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I've had a lot of exposure to these songs. Uh, so number six on the list is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Uh, I like just the lyrics in that one. There's very melancholy, just sort of here we are as in golden days, and hopefully we always stay together if the fates allow. So it kind of tongues at the heartstrings. Number five, Little Drummer Boy, not just the traditional version, but the Bob Seeger version, which I think is kind of a banger. Like that one a lot. Number four, White Christmas, but not just the regular old Bing Crosby. I'm talking the jazzy one, the dun 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 dun. dun. That one is fun. I like. It kind of just makes you want to move and bob your head. It makes me think of Home Alone as well, like Macaulay Culkin, Culkin doing the aftershave. Uh, it's funny. Home Alone has a big influence on this list the more I look at it. Uh, number three, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. That one, again, it's just got – I like a mixture of you – know, you can get the old religious-style bangers, but also the just kind of more traditional poppy-sounding songs. This is just a fun, chilling song. And again, I'm picturing Macaulay Culkin with his little strings moving his puppets. Uh, number two, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas is You. I don't blame anyone for put, who, who wants to put that one number one. That song rocks. It's an all-timer. And you could certainly make a case that it's it's number one. Uh, but my number one, I'm going to go back to the old school religious kind, Oh Holy Night. I think it's just a really epic song. Uh, and I don't think any, any other Christmas song can, can sort of match the heights that it can get to. 
And that's why I choose it number one. But it, that was a hard list for me to think of, for sure. You didn't include anything from your, your man, Buble? Well, he sings all of these. That's true. That's okay. That's true. Yeah, and we, got, we got his album. Yeah. Okay, exactly. fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. No, it's, it's funny. Christmas music is such a weird thing where it's so hard to do like an original song now at this point and have people like it. It's like it's almost like the old school is just what everyone associates yeah. with Christmas music. And if you do anything different, it just doesn't feel right. And that's why you got to give extra points to Mariah for like scoring a legitimate hit that's now considered a classic. It's really hard to do that in this day and age. I mean, it's, it's no longer this day and age, but even in the last half century, it's hard to sort of find a, a new Christmas song that goes into the canon. There's, there's probably like two that I could think of. And one's uh, Santa's Coming for Us by Sia. I hear that everywhere, and I swear that's going to haunt me forever. Uh, and then whatever the one that Ariana Grande sings, it seems like everyone seems like that one. So maybe the only two that have actually kind of like broken in in the last couple mm. of years. Okay, I don't like the Mariah Carey song. Sorry, the way she like <laughs> does that like high pitched scream at the very beginning is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that's fair. Okay. But tweets thrown. And that's it for this week's episode, Stephen. We have one more episode before we go on a little holiday break. And so we'll be back next week with some more fantasy tips and news for you. 